Sports 1440 and the Lowdown. What a great song. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals days until February 16th only. 0.99% financing plus a $10,000 cash discount on remaining in-stock Denali half-tons. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. That's, uh, that always puts me in kind of a melancholy mood, that song. So good. Can you name another, either of you name another Don McLean song? Star, Starry Night. Yeah. What's One it called? Favorites. It's called Starry Night. It's called Vincent. No, it's not. Is it? Yes. Oh, man. Okay, I guess there's I can't. There's dreidel. Then. There's crying. What about you? I've got nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. I gave you four of them. Yeah, well, yeah, but other than those, <laughs> no, I've got absolutely nothing. I bet McCurdy has a bunch. I mean... You know, Don McLean didn't sing lead for Pink Floyd, but he was pretty famous. Bruce McCurdy, Kaltafaki of the Edmonton Journal. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm well, thanks. This morning, and it's got to be the Starry Night uh, for me, my favorite, just about my favorite painting, period. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Vincent fan, and I absolutely love that one for reasons that uh, I'm sure you'll understand. Well, it's probably that damn sky you talk about all the time, McCurdy. <laughs> yeah, it's probably that. Oh, you know, you take the whole, you know, you know, sky and you make a big damn deal about it every time people get to know you for that. It's a pretty big place, Al. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I don't know how what the, the award room for Connor McDavid is going to be, but that's a pretty big place, too. You, you know, when they oh. said... When they said last night, 600 assists, and the only guys quicker were Gretzky, Lemieux, and Orr, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Gretzky, 200 games quicker, Lemieux, 100 games quicker, or I think it was eight or something. Uh, and uh, behind them, you know, mere humans. Uh, but uh, uh, it's astonishing to to even get in that conversation in the 21st century with the uh, much stronger uh, emphasis that there is on defensive play and goal suppression than uh, it was during the heydays of those guys in the 70s and 80s. Are you, um, you know, I, I the question I want to ask you, so I'm just going to ask you, and it's not necessarily based on last night. I look at this team, and I, I like the third line, uh, McLeod and Holloway and whoever. I don't really care who. Uh, but I think that, that Leon with Kane needs a right winger. Fogle uh, got bumped down in the game last night. Uh, and I look externally and internally, and I, I, I don't know if there's a perfect fit. Um, I wish they had Fernando Pisani in about 2005 right now, but they don't. Uh, where are you with this, Bruce? Do you think there's an internal thing that they could plug and play in there, or do you think they have to go outside for the second line winger? Well, Fogel's about the best that they've had. Um, I looked up his uh, stats this morning, and out of the top 384 uh, forwards by ice time at 5-on-5, five five, which is 12 per team, um, he ranks 40th in points per 60. And I looked at a different list to find out he ranks 204th in cap hit for forwards mm. uh, in the NHL. So they're paying him like a high-end third liner, which I I, I think is a more fair sort of um, representation of him. But he's been, you know, his scoring, especially in December and January, was excellent. Now, there's no doubt that uh, since they came back in February, his game has fallen off a bit, and he's kind of dropped down the charts. But uh, you know, it's four games. Uh, 
so I wouldn't quite give up on that guy just yet. Uh, and, you know, they got a month because, or three weeks, I guess, now, because uh, uh, the way the, um, the salary cap works, the longer they wait, uh, the more cap space they have, and the fewer days they'll have to pay it to the new guy that makes more. So it really, you know, sort of each day works doubly in their in their favor. So while they're waiting, you know, they have chance to check out things. I've checked out Corey Perry. Uh, my concern with that line was always speed, and I think that got exposed by the speedy Red Wings last night, who were just pouring over the blue line with uh, nary a forward in sight on a, on too many occasions when uh, when those guys were out there. And Fogel does bring that. Uh, but, you know, there are good options out there. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko is certainly a, 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 an interesting name that uh, we know already that, you know, Ottawa is not going to be competing for a playoff spot, whereas looking at names like Jake Gensel on a team that is still right in the playoff hunt and has, you know, four highly paid uh players 33 plus that probably aren't going to say well boys we traded your best winger for futures as a, as an appropriate answer so it you know let's let's see what happens in the standings for the next three weeks as well but in the meantime sure there's time to experiment and maybe it's time dylan holloway got his look there he had uh he had his moments last night and i noticed after his his great goal uh, early in the third that uh, he wound up getting promoted into basically uh, Perry's spot for the rest of the game, and he did okay. The the thing about Fogel and, and maybe Holloway too, although we haven't seen him enough to really make that call, I, I look at Fogel on the second line as being the, like somewhat similar to Kyler Yamamoto, not in style, but in terms of you're, you're taking a guy who maybe is, is – is, there's a lot of things he brings that, that make him um, – a candidate for the role, perhaps not ideal. The issue I have, though, mm-hmm. is when we talk about, you know, and Tarasenko is a good one, but we've also talked about Eberly and others. I'm just mm-hmm. not absolutely certain that the the level between whatever Fogel's faults are and whatever the strengths mm-hmm. are of the player coming in, I don't know if it's worth it, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's say they could trade him straight up for Eberly, and Seattle would tra- uh, retain half, and that would completely balance out their... Uh, their cap hit. Now, when I say straight up, I'm thinking Edmonton would also have to include something to get that trade done. And is that worth it? Uh, I mean, is Everly 40th in the league in five on five points for think 60? I don't think so. Uh, you know, uh, to me, Fogel's actually been outperforming his contract this year, but mm-hmm. uh, the way the Oilers payroll structure is set up is they got a bunch of guys at five million plus with no movement clauses in the term. And, you know, they're just completely off the table at the bottom end, they got a bunch of guys at a million minus that no matter how many of them you move out, the guys that come in to replace them are also going to be making the same money at that at minimum. And so there's really only three guys sandwiched in the middle, well, four if you want to count Stu Skinner, but I don't, uh, who sort of are at the focal point. And Fogel is one of them along, of course, with CC and Kulak as guys where if you move them, you actually are creating some cap space with which you could do something. And if you think you can improve on those guys within the, within those constraints, well, that's where, uh, uh, that's where your moves are. But uh, at the same time, uh, I'm not keen to sell short what those guys have been doing for the team. And I, I've seen some sort of criticism online for various members of that trio and, uh, I think that for the large part, they've been uh, 
they've been performing for, you know, the mid-range uh, contracts that they're receiving. They're not paid to be superstars, and they're not. The uh, the penalty kill is like me on a diet, Bruce. I go really well for a while, and then I, I fall off, and I... I order, you know, three burgers, and I, mm-hmm. I, 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 the last, the last few kids, they were doing so well, Bruce, and it was such a great story. You know, new coach comes in, new system, whatever the hell it was doing, it was great, uh, and w- now we're back to dough, and it doesn't look good. Well, they went from forty for forty-one to one for their next six. <laughs> So they went from like 90, what is that, 98% to 17%. <laughs> so that's a, that's what you call in the stock market a correction. Yeah. And it was a, a, well, I say was, let's hope it's in the past tense now, because it's three games in a row, they had just a brutal time of it. And uh, last night, I mean, it was the first PK unit couldn't get the puck over the blue line either time took about 50 seconds the first time, 10 seconds the second time. They just sort of took it to the net and hammered away at it until it finally went in. And it's, it isn't good enough. And uh, it's something they're clearly going to have to uh, uh, to focus on. At the same time, the 40 for 41 was a little bit of a mirage. Like, you got to have other teams missing shots, hitting posts, goalies making miraculous saves. You know, deflections working in your favor because you can't. That's unsustainable over the longer term. It's just pretty surprising to see it get corrected in such a brutal fashion. I I swear to God, Bruce, I do think of different questions to ask you every week. But mm. I'm going to ask you this one for the 60th time this oh, season. No. Here we go. What are the Oilers' needs right now? <sighs> Um, top six winger. Uh, I, I'm I'm still sort of sticking on uh, right shot center um, for the bottom six, who can kill penalties and uh, basically do what Nick Busta did last year for the stretch drive and first round of the playoffs uh, for you know three hundred thousand below minimum. <laughs> That's, that would be an ideal an ideal get. Like that, talk about a targeted move by by Holland. That that one was really striking. Even as of course he's getting criticized for it today because of what he gave up in that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sort of player, uh, I, I'm not keen on the size in the bottom six. And I mean they miss Cost and they miss uh, Bukestad, two big guys they brought in last year who I thought really helped in, the, in that lower end of the roster. And Perry is uh, Perry is sort of one step in that direction. I wouldn't mind seeing another guy with a little bit of size. But who can play, there. right? Like who can actually who can play? play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Nick Bukestad. Yes. So yeah. you know, someone someone like that, it'll be different because Bukestad's you know in a different tax bracket now. He's signed for two years, and and you know he's moved on. But uh, they want to to uh, maybe look to find a player in that ilk. Um. This is one that I that I just I'm mulling now, so you're going to get a really awkward question, but I mean it, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched Craig McTavish uh, bring first round picks to training camp: Yanni Rita, Alexei Mikhanov, others. 
um, Heinrich, and they they would not make the team, and they would not become NHL players. But guys like Bassani and others would Horkoff uh, instantly become players that 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 for some reason he was able to turn into NHL players, and maybe it had a lot to do with two way play. But I'm watching uh, a lot of Bakersfield Condors right now, and I noticed that uh, Ryan Holt has tweeted out the, the lines for tonight. Xavier Burgo is on the fourth line, and Tyler Tulio is on the top line. And I'm not, I, I, that's on merit. Tulio scored two goals mm-hmm. in two games. Borgo looks lost, and, and this sometimes happens. But it's, it's um, I guess it's part of the crapshoot of young players and prospects, and certainly Borgo's not a lost cause or anything like that. But from the point of view of, of these young players, is it safe to say that the kids who play forward in the AHL now, and that excludes obviously Dylan Holloway, uh, don't have enough value to turn to move the needle in a trade, or do you think somebody like Lavoie does? Oh, move the needle. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, I'll, I will push back slightly at your uh, your use of the word instantly. In the case of Fernando Pisani, it took two and a half years after he turned pro from four years in university before he made the NHL. And sometimes that's what it takes for these, uh, uh, you know, middle round guys who, you know, who do the right things and keep improving and improving. It still takes them a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borgo, I'm getting to the point where I'm becoming more concerned that he's just not going to push the needle. I mean, we're in the back half of his second pro year, and here he is, you know, getting demoted on merit to, or on demerit to the uh, fourth line. And where where is the upside? You watch the games, you see nice things from this player, but none of them ever seem to result in pucks going into the net. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he's a depth player, but he, you know, he too is not a particularly big guy. I mean, I, I can see him being uh, morphing into a, you know, a, a checker, penalty killer, chips in here and there. And, I mean, that's not too far removed from description of Fernando Fusani when it comes to that. But uh, uh, I I don't see him progressing in in a way that screams future NHLer. Yeah. So that is a concern. Trade value, uh, I'm not sure that Edmonton's got any sort of surfeit of young prospects that other teams don't have in their system. So well, we're, we're always ranked 25th. No. On, by the athletic and the uh, no. uh, for for prospect depth and you know they got a few nice players down there and you know maybe there's a Michael Kesselring that they can turn into a Nick Bukestad but uh, uh, I, I, there's nobody that really jumps off the page to me. Uh, final one. It is Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Valentine's to your to your bride. And I was wondering if you have a favorite rom com. Oh, rom-com. As in a movie, like? <laughs> or a show? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just... I, I, <laughs> I kind of... I, I don't know. We like... we. My, my wife has a long list of them. Uh, I like Sleepless in Seattle the okay. first four or five times, you know. But, you know, we kind of know what's happening next now. Uh, but, uh, yeah... It is that day, and uh, happy Valentine's Day, Times Day to one and all. And uh, thinking of people without their Valentines on days like this, like yourself, Mister Mitchell. Yeah, it's and uh, my thoughts go out to you. Well, you're very sweet. Thank you, Bruce. You have a good you have a good day. Okay, thanks. All right. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Have a great week. 
I've been interviewing Bruce McCurdy for decades, and I stump him on, <laughs> what's your favorite rom-com? You mean like a movie? <laughs> I got to... I've been I've been trying for twenty years to stump McCurdy, and it never occurred to me just to ask him about, about a romance movie. Uh, I enjoyed that far more than anybody else. Okay, on the way, your text, and don't forget, uh, Declan's left the room, but I'm hoping he comes back in time because we've got to have him uh, for Duncan with Declan at one forty today. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports fourteen forty. It's the lowdown on Sports fourteen forty. What a great song. For Wolf GMC Buick, visit wolfgmcbuick.com. That thing, it. what do you kids call it? Snaps, pokes, something. What are you babbling about over there? That, but we, when a song really goes, you a have... A jam? No, it's like that Fire. thing... That thing, uh, bops. I don't know. Smacks. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old for this. Like, I don't. I, I'm trying to think of what you're trying to think it's of not now. Slay. It's something else. It somethings. Slaps. Hits. Slaps. Who slaps. said slaps? Man, there you go. Can't you wow. read the old man's mind? Come on now. LT. Well, you gave us so many good hits. <laughs> well, I don't know how we didn't get clearly, It's right there for you. Uh, LT Romcom had me stumped too for a while. Great interview with Bruce. Thank you. And I'll pass that along to Bruce. People know that romance movies are called rom-coms, right? Or rom- com- romantic comedies. Well, yeah, but there are some romance movies that aren't comedies that are just sure. romance. I know, but... Like, like, I would say The Notebook falls into that category. That, that's, that's I, I'm a not a big movie. fan of The Notebook. You guys are both a it's little... too sad. At the end, yeah. it's, it's just too sad. What's that's, the one where the guy is in a cave and he dies? It's about an aviator. What was that called? My goodness. I don't, Conan the Barbarian? No, no. It's a okay. sad... The, the aviator? Draw, guy, is it the aviator? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm I just think, guessing. Well, that was the one with Leo. Jeez, it just dry. Is that the one where Julia Louis Dreyfus said, "Just die"? I, I have genuinely was. no idea. I just no. threw out a Clearly. movie called The Aviator. And I love the cojones to throw at the uh, name of a movie you've clearly never seen. <laughs> I really appreciate that. But. Well, that's how the show, you know, it kind of rules. We just throw stuff out, and sooner or later, the authorities will come and take us away. Uh, LT, what's your opinion on Matt Zuccarello? The Wild are trending to not make the playoffs. They could be sellers. They got. 40 points in 43 games. Plays right wing. Only problem, he's a free agent after this season. He'd just be around. I like him a lot. I, I never think about him coming anywhere because he's just a guy they keep, right? Like, he yeah. never he never gets free because everybody signs him. The English patient, that was it. Oh, my God. That was a long movie. My uh, my dad hates that movie. I do, too. Yeah, he, he despises a good man. that movie. Yeah. I don't even know him. He's a good man. I'm it, pretty sure that movie won Best Picture I don't care. Okay. Like, it was <laughs> bad. <Good. laughs> All right. Yeah. It's like, I got, I turned the TV off one year, 94. They had three great movies up for Best Picture. Only three? There was, well, there were six or seven, but three that were really, really good. Might have been the best year in film ever. Thank 94. you. Okay. Yeah. So Shawshank Redemption was my choice. I would have accepted Pulp Fiction, but I knew Forrest Gump was going to win. And like as much as that was a really good movie, there's no damn way it was better than Shawshank Redemption. Or Pulp Fiction, for that right. matter. I think those might be the two best movies ever. I Ooh. Thank you for that. No, yeah. they're great movies. Like Pulp Fiction is like... You can pick it up. I can pick up. You can be halfway through the movie and I come over for a sandwich and I'll just pick up with it because it's so good. Mm. You hate it. 
I have a very controversial opinion about Pulp Fiction. There was. Sh- shake my shoes. The texters are going to chant fire Are we going again. after the clergy? You're, uh, too, you're too young to appreciate how be, good it is. I'll be honest. To me, like, I can appreciate some of that movie, but to me, it's just the most overrated movie of all time. You really, really have to, have to, have to watch it again. I might have to watch it again, but I'll be honest. Tarantino's just not my guy. Like, uh, go sit down somewhere. Tarantino's <laughs> in like two scenes. No, no, but like Tarantino as a director, he's just he's just kind of all over the place to me. I feel like every Tarantino movie, you can cut about half at half an hour out of the movie, and it would be better. Well, you could do that with a lot of movies. I no, you maybe couldn't have had a worse take okay, on I'll any say, subject. I'll say Django, good movie. You can cut out about half an hour. I, um, I wasn't a fan of Django. I know everybody loves Inglo- it. I was. You guys are killing I, me. I don't know if I can say inglorious followed word. Yeah, we got just it. go inglorious. Yeah. Inglorious. Insert word here. Yeah. Uh, good movie. You can cut out about half an hour. That's just my my opinion on. So Quentin you're Tarantino. looking for a sitcom. Yeah. You've TikTok brain. <laughs> this guy like no attention span. Can't watch a two-hour no, movie. This is I why, can watch a two-hour movie. It's this just, is why you don't have a girlfriend because you can't say to her, you know, if this lunch was half an hour shorter, I would have had a good time. <laughs> they fire, don't like that. Fire him. Last straw. All in capital letters. <laughs> no, like, first text in about this. I I love I love a good three-hour movie, but it's got to be able to do something with the three hours. It can't just be like a lot of death. Well, yeah, exactly. Give right. me some, give me some death. Give me some violence. Like give me reservoir some, dogs. Yeah. Reservoir like, dogs. like inglorious bastards or Pulp Fiction. <laughs> what are we doing here? I'm, I'm going to ask you this really quickly. And you, then have I, you seen Pulp Fiction? Cause I don't yes, think I have. I have seen, I've seen it twice. It was miserable for me the second time. The first time I was just con- I, confused. I, you are, you are inconsistent, sir. We'll get back to sports here in a second because I know this is going on a tangent, but Donovan, I have to ask, you said there are some three-hour movies out there that you enjoy. Can you list a couple? Very quickly. Um, whatever the Avengers movie was where it was oh, three hours. Oh, Listen, oh, it was better. Oh, it was better than God. Pulp Fiction. I'm sorry to you, all you texters and can, listeners. Just, but Can we cut off his microphone? Yeah, <laughs> this is over. Raphael Lavoie, let's, what do you think about him playing up in the, in the top six? I'd love to see it. It's better than talking about Pulp Fiction being bad and the new Avengers being good. Let I, me pull up some three-hour movies, and I will give you. If you say Doctor Zhivago, I'm coming over there. Get back to us. But the one thing I want to say about that is because we talk about Raph Lavoie. Raph Lavoie yeah. is probably a top top six player skill wise, right? Sure. Well, he's going to score thirty goals this year in the AHL. I don't think he would shine in the bottom six, but if he was brought up to the Oilers, it would. The idea would be it would be a bottom six role, yeah. right? That's Based what McTee always yes. did. He'd bring up Yanni Rita, and he'd play him on left wing, and he'd play a defenseman on right wing because yeah. he didn't trust him. And that's where Lavoie is. They don't trust him, so yeah. they're not going to play him mm-hmm. and yet if they had trusted him in October he'd be a player by now mm. but here's the problem Declan this is what happened they lost a lot of games early and yep. both Roberg and Lavoie and Holloway a little yeah. bit suffered because of it right you can't audition players when you're pl- playing for your season do you think in the near future we see a not maybe not near future but let me say in the next five years we see a second line with built around Borgo and Lavoie how many years? The next five. Maybe next three, because my next five might be a little too too far down the line. Knowing the orders as I do, no, okay. but but I would just say this. I have enormous hope 
for Jeff Jackson. Okay. And he hired Parcati. Parcati is smarter than all of us squared. In fact, you can put all of our brains together, take that half hour that Donovan wants out of everything off of it, and he'd still be way smarter than our three brains combined. Why did you? Why did we have to catch strays like that? Like we're pretty smart guys. Well, I know, but I'm trying to make him not feel bad for that bad take about Pulp <laughs> Fiction. Right. Someone asked if he's an alien. <laughs> okay, you guys, you all might think if it's a bad thing. If you say Doctor Shivago, I'm okay, coming over three there. Three-hour movies that I consider to be better than Pulp Fiction. Schindler's List is actually a good movie, but it's very sad. Um, it's a great movie, but it's not better than Pulp Fiction. I agree. It's better than Pulp Fiction. No, nope. uh, Wolf of Wall Street is a hundred percent better than no, Pulp Fiction. I, I like Pulp Fiction Disagree. better. Um, I Disagree. will take Oppenheimer over Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction's better. Pulp Fiction's um, better than probably every movie ever. I, so <laughs> I will you're take, off to a bad start. I will take Avengers Endgame over Pulp Fiction. I These will are take, all bad I've actually takes. seen. A, I've seen quite a few over three hour movies, but I all enjoy them more than Pulp Fiction. Well, but but you, you like you could you could try to be Saving more Private wrong. Ryan's another one. You could try to be more wrong than you are right now, but you could not. Not today. Maybe if you thought about it for a day, you could be more wrong about something, but but not today. There is something to be said for to each their own. Everyone yeah. deserves an opinion. Yeah, that's that out the window. Right, not Donovan. <laughs> he doesn't deserve an opinion. Oh my God. So this is like five times you've derailed the show with with takes that are so outrageous. Clergy, Swifties, the Jays, this, and I don't remember the other one. I don't think the Jays one was outrageous. This one, this one you can consider outrageous. I Do you like like do you just go I'm going to be I'm going to go opposite Donovan on this one? Or do you really think that Pulp Fiction is a bad movie? True. I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I said that it was. I was miserable the second time. But I just like. I can understand why people like the movie. I really can, truthfully. But I don't enjoy it. Well, I. Wow. I don't know what you want from a movie. Entertainment. Yes. I don't find. I just don't find it that entertaining. I don't know how you couldn't find it entertaining. Because it's just, it doesn't track. Like I think you watched something that you thought was Pulp Fiction, and it wasn't. I just, I've just watched, I've seen it twice. This Granted, this was probably when I was like 14 okay, or a while right, ago. Okay, all right. So you, you haven't seen it in the last five years. I haven't seen it in the last five years, but my memory of Pulp Fiction is just... Okay, there's going to be a day, it's going to be a Sunday, when you have like three hours... And you're, you know, you nothing's going on. It's raining outside. You can't do anything. Rent it. Uh, is it on Netflix? I don't know what it is on. Oh, it's it's got to be. It uh, is. I, I know it is. Just rent it, and and we'll pay for it, just so you can see it. Because you you you, I bet you watched it when your slinky didn't work or whatever you were doing when you were fourteen. What were you doing when you were? Don't tell me what you were doing when you were fourteen. <laughs> uh, watching sports. Um, playing video games, watching Matt Barzell wheel up and down the ice. <laughs> Matt Barzell, um, you know, watching the Toronto Blue Jays actually do things that I enjoyed. Yeah, like win baseball games in the playoffs. Was uh, who is your favorite player back then on the Jays? I love Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson was my guy. Yeah, hundred percent. That guy was that guy was a stud. He loves Pulp Fiction. He he could, but that would still not change my opinion on Pulp Fiction. 
Some somber news here really quickly I just want to get to. Looks like there has been a shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Oh, my God. Looks like police and military personnel are taking off inside Union Station to try and contain it. Uh, We will update you when we can. And obviously, we pray for all involved and hope everyone is safe. Jeez, but I uh, wanted awful. to bring light to that very quickly. Yeah, that is, uh, I remember there, no, it wasn't a, sh- I don't think it was a shooting. There was something at the the Raptors parade that somebody somebody uh, perished in that one. It's really sad that that happens. So we are definitely thinking of those involved. Looks like two armed suspects are in custody now right. per the KC police. Oh man, that is tough. Okay, 136. Are you ready for your, with your NBA stuff? I am ready for my right. NBA stuff. Yeah, Duncan with Declan and... Once again, it's all about the theme song. That's on the way next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Man, that thing cooks or slaps or whatever the hell we were saying last hour. Uh, We're brought to you by Wolf GMC. Visit them at wolfgmcbuick.com. That's the Duncan with Declan basketball intro, which, man, you've got to be so on with your content after that intro. I know it's a, it's a, it is a high bar, isn't it? Yeah, it is. My goodness. No. Sorry, I thought you were maybe going to say something there. No, I. But all I, right, I, no, I'll jump right I, in. I, I want to ask you about Embiid, but I'm assuming you'll get there eventually. You can ask about him. I'll okay. certainly work around to him. Okay. They, uh, I, I like some of the moves they made at the deadline, but I feel yes. like I, I, I think you can't go into any trade deadline sort of halfway and they sort of did that right and yep, so, so a little of this year a little of that year and I don't next year and I don't know that they got enough or anything done that will help them I think they're dead in the water unless Embiid comes back and they're, they're it's not like they're second in the division they're sliding they are sliding yeah they're yeah. all the way down to fifth now I believe it is in yeah. the east in the east like there are teams playing very very well Boston I think is probably top of the division class of the division Cleveland has been playing out of their they mind have. lately yeah. I don't know what got in the water in Cleveland but all of a sudden this is an incredible coherent team. Donovan Mitchell is an incredible talent. The guy who deserves to be a perennial all-star. Milwaukee is still right up there at the top of the table where they're always going to be with a guy like Giannis Ndedekumpo. You bet. The Knicks, uh, they've dropped their last, I think it's their last, it's either their last three or four. So they've dropped a couple, but they're still playing well, fourth in the East. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of people thought the East <laughs> was going to be a Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia than everybody else. Yeah. It's looking like that's not the case, especially the way Cleveland is playing. Cleveland is 9-1 and one in their last 10 and is 35-17. and 17 on the season. They are playing tremendous basketball. Now, we talked about the Philadelphia 76ers. Some Three and trade. seven in their last ten. The yes. Yeah. No, like they're not they're not playing great. They have won their last two in a row. They're going to play the Heat tonight again without Jimmy Butler, I believe. A Heat team that's riding a big win against the uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks last night. They went in there shorthanded and they, they beat the brakes off and won the back of a triple-double by Bam Adebayo. So... This is a Heat team that maybe is finally starting to find their groove. And another thing is these Heat teams, or this Heat team, I should say, maybe is a better way to uh, to put it, is a team that gets up for the big games. They, we've seen it in the playoffs when they were the eight seed last year and went on this incredible run. In... In the regular season, this Heat team tends to have a tendency to take their foot off the gas pedal, and they'll play a team like the Wizards or the Pit, whoever it is, and they'll take the foot off the gas a little bit, and they don't show up. We'll see games where Jimmy Butler finishes with like 12 points and four rebounds, and and they lose the game by 10. That's just kind of who they are. But when they play these big game teams, they get up. Now, the question becomes, is Philadelphia still in that realm? Are they still one of these thought to be the class of the Eastern Conference teams? 
I don't know if you get up for them right now the way they're playing. And again, trading Pat Beverly out of there, Pat Beverly was a guy who's good for the culture in Philadelphia. He fits the Philly culture very well. And he's a guy, obviously not the most talented guy in the world, not an all-star, nothing like that, but he can hold Joel Embiid accountable. He was a guy who could go up to Joel Embiid and say, hey, listen, I know you're the league MVP. I know you're putting up 35 a night. I know you're the face of the franchise, but you need to be better here. You need to be better there. Things like that. And you have that out of the locker room now, who I think was great for the team. I don't know what it's going to look like. Are you, um, who did the best after the deadline? Like who, who, in well, your opinion, really uh, made made a lot of good business? In the bio market, I really like the Lakers move getting Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh. Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy who I've liked for a long time. He's only putting up about 13 points a night now. But again, he's a guy, what he can do in that Los Angeles offense is he can take some of the pressure off LeBron ball handling, right? LeBron is going to be the guy who gets the predominant usage. He's going to be the guy who creates the plays. But when he's out of there, they don't have to re- they don't have to rely on D'Angelo Russell running an ISO ball possession every time up the court because Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy who can run a motion offense. He's a guy who can get the ball to whoever may be on the, on the court at that time, whether it's an Austin Reeves, whether it's you know an Anthony Davis who's going to be the predominant scoring option on the court. Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy who can create for those. He's not going to be a guy. He's not going to be a guy like a Tyrese Halliburton going out there and getting twelve assists a night. Not going to be a guy like Luka Doncic making the crazy behind the back passes underneath the basket, whatever it is. But he's a guy who can at least formulate a motion offense, and I think that bodes well for the Lakers and for LeBron, who in this old age probably can't carry the ball every possession. Yeah. What about uh, um, Monty Morris, Minnesota, adding him? Mm. What does that do for them? A little bit of depth shooting, I think. I, you know, they were in such a phenomenal position that yeah. they they didn't really need much. And they, I, I've said this before, but I didn't think Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert was going to work out the way it has. But it's worked out tremendously. And Anthony Edwards, this guy had forty one points last night. Like Anthony Edwards is a walking bucket. You have those three as the cornerstones of your team. You're in a very good place. So you know, adds a little depth, but it's nothing nothing to write home about. It's not like it, it's not some tremendous ad. I'll um, say that the the. Like I'm just fascinated by the West because there's a bunch of teams mm-hmm. like Denver winning. Yep. Like it's shocking to me because they were always scoring 150 points and losing. Yep. Uh, when I was growing up, but you've got Minnesota, the Clippers, yeah, the have- Nuggets, and Oklahoma. The, I like the mix there at the top because they're all interesting teams and. Some of them have never yeah. won, and for a few, it's been a while. Very, very close between the top four teams there. Yeah, those those old Denver teams. Alex English was a guy who was yes. putting up like 40 yeah. a night. Yeah, he was a great player. The kids today don't know about Alex English. Oh, they, they don't know a thing. They don't even know Pulp Fiction's a great movie. Fat Lever was another guy, too, for that Denver team. who got a lot of triple doubles back in the 80s. Kids don't know about Fat Lever. He was a great player. Um, but yeah, listen, this is a, I think, top-heavy Western conference, and I do think there are a couple teams who sit there in that 5 to 10 range who can maybe make some noise. But we've seen... I think a little bit of a separation from everyone else. And I know the standings are like, but the t- between four and five, Denver's currently four and Phoenix is currently five. I have it right now. Denver's 36 and 18. Phoenix is 32 and 22. So it's not a huge separation gap or anything like that. The one thing is Denver plays incredibly well at home. If they can be a top four seed in this playoff or, you know, top three seed, top two, whatever it is, and have home home court advantage for at least one round, benefits them tremendously and on top of that I just think the eye test from these teams we've seen like Shea Gilgis Alexander for the Oklahoma City Thunder has worked his way into the MVP conversation because this is a team like I've said young were thought to be 
maybe a good team, but I don't think they were thought to have championship aspirations. Shea Gilgis Alexander has put that to bed. He's shown, no, I'm going to be one of the guys who can get up, get us into the two seed in, the, in a deep Western conference. I can be that dominant player, that MVP caliber player. And it's all working well for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are playing very well, and they are a very scary team. And I need to give them their flowers because I said I think they're too young. I said I don't, I don't think they can get to that championship level. And I do you still, did say that. I, I do that. still stand by that because I do think there is a, there's a need for maturity that they don't have. But they're a scary team. They're a fun team, and they can score a lot of points. This is not related, but I'm going to just get your take on this. Uh, Kyle Shanahan apparently has relieved Steve Wilkes of his duties as defensive coordinator. I saw that. What's uh, any thoughts on that? You know, is it reaction? I think it's reactionary for sure. I just think like you went up against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going to Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. It was kind of going up. It was. Yes, he did. It was going like going up against Jordan in his heyday. It was going up against Gretzky in his heyday. You can contain these guys, but you cannot stop them. What was Steve Wilkes supposed to do? Dre Greenlaw went out too. Donovan showed me a stat the other day that when Dre Greenlaw went out, his replacement was targeted nine times in coverage for nine catches, 130 yards or something like that. Personnel needs to step up and do something. I don't think Steve Wilkes necessarily called a bad game, but I also understand when you're at that top level, when you're trying to reach the ultimate pinnacle and you get there and you fall short, something may need to change. We see it in the NBA often. The NBA was a league. It used to be if you weren't a good team, you fired the coach. Now in the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years, it's been if you're a good team but you can't get over the hump, you fire the coach. Look at last year. Mike Budenholzer for the Milwaukee Bucks. They were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They went home in the first round of the playoffs. He got fired. Yeah. He also won a championship for them, by the way. So things like this happen with coaches. Uh, where are you Raptors-wise? Like are, because they're 3-7. Like they're 3-7. They're, they're sliding down. They're in 12th now. Uh, deadline's over. They had a kind of a myst- not a mysterious, but but not exactly. There was there was a little lack of clarity. I remember talking to Pulsar and you yep. at the deadline. Uh, are they because they won a championship, so they have a lot of leeway here. Yep. But you do at some point in time have to corral everything and start climbing up the charts. Are they are they doing well in this reload? I think they're going to do well shortly, but I think, again, this year's a write-off. Like, the Raptors right now are not... Before the season, I said the Raptors would have max 36 wins, which would be a 36 and 46 total record. I don't know if they'll reach that right now. They're currently 19 and 35. They're just not a very good team. They're young. They don't have that champion ex- championship experience anymore with Pascal being, uh, you know, the last, the missing piece of the puzzle to get shipped out. They only have one guy left on the team. They're a new team, right? And they're a young team. And they're, they have a guy in Scotty Barnes who's an all-star for the first time, former Rookie of the Year, who who is going to need to step up and realize he's the face of the franchise. But that's a lot to ask for a guy mid-season when you're playing this poorly, when you just traded the former face of the franchise in Pascal Siakam. He's a tremendous player. He'll get there. Things are going to look up for the Raptors, but they're going to get worse before they get better. I I have to read this. Cor- yeah, absolutely. This is via text, and it's about our movies, okay? Okay. I may have to marry somebody named Big Bobby Clobber. He says, my two favorite movies, Pulp Fiction and My Fair Lady, both have superior writing and dialogue. And I love both of those movies. I've never met anybody in the world Mm. who loves both of those movies. So Big Bobby Clobber, you rock. And then the fat dad says, Donovan needs a timeout. At the minimum. (laughs) See, no. Uh, Number one, no. Uh, You'd have to take this board back over my corpse. 
<laughs> well, that's well, easy. We Dec have no Declan problem with that. Declan can take you. <laughs> Declan probably could take he's, me, honestly. He's a boxer. But, oh, Declan could definitely take me. But there are some people that do agree with me. I know, but because your gonna, family tweeted their text. No, yeah. they, did, they did not. They uh, they might be listening. They might not be listening. I have no idea. Credit, but, credit to Donovan for playing the long game and telling his family members to text in with all these aliases. It's a brilliant idea. Because one day he was going to slam Pulp Fiction and he needed the reinforcements. <laughs> you know what? There, there's been a shocking amount of support here. So I'm not going to rat them out here. I'm just going to let them, them simmer in silence because... They have the right opinion, and uh, it's like golf. Though. They're right. You always like in golf. You have you have sixty bad shots, and you remember the one good one. It's the same with the text line. People are ripping you a new one, but you only remember the good. Exactly yeah. as as it should be because we're, we're all the same. They're the true heroes here. <laughs> just a so, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to say a quick update. Very somber. Like I mentioned, it looks like that shooting at the Kansas City Super Bowl parade has left one dead, ten oh, injured. Oh man. Uh, incredibly sad. We hope this situation gets better before it gets worse. And I don't. I remember the Toronto, and there was a couple of people who texted in. But they one was from Oakland. One gentleman was from Oakland, and he was in the crowd in Toronto. And the you and I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation. Maybe you have, where the crowd gets so big and so uh, like unruly that you do begin to think about, you know, your own safety and. Um, I don't know how you control that, right? Because it's a celebration. Everybody should be, uh, you know, feeling that like they can attend. And fortunately, they have the people in custody. But unfortunately, somebody has passed away. And there's, you said 10 injured. So that's what it's looking like. Yeah, we're thinking about them and their families today. And that is a bad, bad scene. Um, coming up, Jason Greger, tomorrow is Thursday. We have bagged milk. Do we have any other guests signed yet? Uh, none with pen to paper, but I'm okay. sure we will. Uh, we will. Are get people some, still yeah. hanging up when we call and say we're calling from low down with low tide? More often than we'd like to admit. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's, not that's great, still going but, on. Yeah. Then. All right. Well, it's good to know you got a rep. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, uh, Jason Greger. On the way next, it's time for an update.